Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Enjoy the White House more than we have. It's a wonderful privilege to have been here and to have been given the chance to do this work. And I should regard myself as having a small and mean mind if I felt soured at not having had more instead of being thankful to have had so much. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold. Mr. President, the man in the White House, the man chosen by his fellow citizens as our first citizen. We invite you now to become better acquainted with one of America's greatest men. These are transcribed stories of the men who have lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting, but little-known events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. Our Mr. President drama will begin in just a moment. Perhaps you don't believe in the kind of ghosts that are supposed to haunt houses. But there are other kinds. There are ghosts of words once spoken, ideas once held, personalities once present. Take, for instance, a tour of our nation's capital. Here, you think, Lincoln once stood as he pondered the problems of a country at war. Even as you look, your fancy conjures up the picture of that tall, gaunt figure stooped in thought. There, you muse, sat Washington... Jefferson, Madison, and Monroe discussing the future of the newborn nation. And as imagination takes hold, the powdered wigs and lace cuffs seem more real than reality itself. These are the memories, the all-pervasive ghosts of Washington. But for those of us who are unable to visit the Capitol, the same warm familiarity with the heroes of America's past is possible through the program Mr. President starring Edward Arnold. So listen now and see if you can name the president upon whom this episode is based. In all my experience, both as a soldier and as president, I became convinced of two things, which I think are of grave importance. First, I think we all should understand that every officer in the Army, the Navy, the Marine Corps, ought to undergo severe physical tests each year. 
Now, it was my practice to take long, rambling hikes to the Virginia countryside, accompanied by such hardy souls as cared for that kind of exercise. There was quite a bit of climbing involved, especially when we scrambled down to the chain bridge on our way to Washington. Among my constant companions were Dr. Rixey, Surgeon General of the Navy, and the young Captain Leonard of the Marine Corps had lost an arm in China. One afternoon, as we half climbed, half slid down a particular cliff... Captain, are you all right? Perfectly, sir. There's not much footing up there. Well, any time's too rough for you. Don't hesitate to say so. Not at all, sir. I can take it. Sometimes I wish you'd be more careful, Mr. President. Oh, me? There's nothing going to happen to me. Careful here, hey? Oh, wait a minute. This rock is always slippery. That does it. Not too bad. Made it. Good for you, Captain. Colonel Wheeler is rather a bug on physical fitness in the Corps. I wonder how he'd enjoy a hike like this. Colonel Wheeler, your commanding officer? Yes, sir. Chief of my bureau at the Navy Department. You think he'd keep up with us, Captain? Well, sir, it's not for me to say. <laughs> he might, but his figure would drop far behind. Uh, I see. Uh, desk officer, sir. He was at Guantanamo with us, Mr. President. But since then, why... Uh, I understand. Doctor, I take it you know the good colonel. Wonderful war record, Mr. President. And since? Well, you might say that the sedentary life has caught up with him. Mm-hmm. And how about the other officers? Marine Corps? And Navy and Army. I'm not particularly familiar with the Army, Mr. President. Don't expect you to be, but the Navy is your job. Well, if you're pressing. Oh, you know I am. Speak up, man. This is off the record as far as you're concerned. Then I'll say frankly, Mr. President, that what has been said about Colonel Wheeler applies also to officers of similar rank in the Navy. (laughs) And I bet the Army isn't far behind. (laughs) I begin to think, Doctor, that this might take a little investigation and a regulation or two. After all, I'm commander-in-chief, and I'd rather not be commander-in-chief of a group of short-winded, large-waisted gentlemen who can't go where their men might have to go. You're home earlier than I thought you'd be, dear. Now, then that makes two of us who are surprised, if that's the word for the way I feel right now. Have a nice day, Edith. Mm, the usual. The boys are having their usual strenuous time, I hear. Edith, it's absolutely incredible. (laughs) All right, I'll ask the question. What is incredible, dear? Well, answer this one first. What would you expect of officers in the United States Army? I? Well, I guess I'd expect them to keep up with all modern improvements. Yes, yes, go on. And I'd expect them to be ready to handle any possible emergency for which the Army might be necessary. Anything else? Well, I suppose in order to do that, they ought to be bright... Intelligent. And in good physical condition. Oh, of course. I took that for granted. Don't take it for granted any longer, Edith, because it just isn't so. I don't believe it. Neither did I until I saw for myself. But I'm home early because I just didn't want to see any more. Are you sure you're not exaggerating, dear? Ask General Wood and old Ding Dong Bell. They were with me. And the Navy and Marines are almost as bad. Anyway, Rixie tells me they are. <laughs> One service at a time, dear. What did you see today? I saw a cavalry officer who was unable to keep his horse at a smart trot for even half a mile. Ten years my junior, and he couldn't keep up with me. Oh, for goodness sake. There was a major general whom I I won't embarrass by naming, who was scared to let his horse canter with us. And as for walking, (laughs) Edith, I'm sure the next War Department budget is going to contain an item for wheelchairs. 
and for the salaries of enlisted men to push them. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. President. Oh, yes, Dr. Rixey. Fit as a fiddle as always. On a brisk winter morning like this, of course. You look fit yourself. I am. I try to stay that way, as you know darn well. Wish I could say the same for other men in Washington and St. Vines. Still after my naval charges, Mr. President? Ah, you bet I am. And after what I saw yesterday, Doctor, I'm after the Army, too. Rixey, it's incredible. I told Edith last night. Well, never mind that now. Something has got to be done about this and at once. Well, now, a nice, short, clean war. No, no, nothing as drastic as that. But I think we might initiate an idea or two which my successor will continue once the 4th of March is here and gone. Compulsory setting up exercises, perhaps. Frankly, I don't care how they get into condition. They can carry 40-pound packs of rifles for all I care, just as long as they are physically fit and stay that way. Weakness, physical or spiritual, has no place in the armed force of the United States. What do you have in mind, Mr. President? How about riding? Horseback? Not the streetcar stop. No, 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 sir. Well, it does wonders for me. And me. Doctor, I have an idea. Let's set a distance and a time limit for walking and riding. Say, 50 miles walking and 100 miles on horseback. Do them myself for one day. How long would you give them, Doctor? Well, about three days. Do what? Well, 100 miles on horseback in three days isn't a bad ride. Well, sounds mild to me. To you, yes. All right, three days. Walk 50 or ride 100. How do you expect to get these men to do this? Well, I've got that all figured out, Doctor. I, I'm issuing an executive order to the commissioned officers of the armed forces. Those who want to avoid it will find a way. <laughs> I've got that covered, too. Each year, beginning with the issuance of this order, each officer will have to present a certificate to the effect that he has walked 50 miles or ridden 100 within three days. Or his commission will lapse and he will be placed on the retired list at once. <laughs> what is it, dear? It's this cartoon in the Herald. It shows me riding a herd in a cowboy outfit on a collection of army officers. <laughs> See, here it is. Oh, it is funny. Oh, but why does this man always draw you with such large spectacles? <laughs> my hat, my mustache, my spectacles. The cartoonist delight. Mm, um... Did you see the editorial that goes with the cartoon? Uh, sure, I haven't read it yet. What's in it? The President again. Once again, our chief executive is proving himself a petty and capricious tyrant. You know, I like that. Oh. <laughs> Having unleashed a parting blast or two at his favorite whipping boys, the Trust, the President is now exercising his prerogatives as Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy to force the officers of those splendid organizations to walk 50 or ride a hundred miles within three days each year. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm going to use that. Exercise my prerogative to make them exercise. We can hope only that with the advent of the president's successor, this nonsense will stop. And the new president will tend to his own business, meanwhile permitting our officers to tend to theirs. Now, I like that. If that's all they can find to cop about, I must be leaving the country in pretty good shape. I wish I could say the same about our officers. Well, it does seem a trifle silly to make such a fuss about it. Oh, well, they have their friends, these desk lizards. 
The field officers aren't complaining, I know. No, of course not. In any case, Bill will be... <laughs> will be the one to take over soon. <laughs> now what's the joke, dear? <laughs> I'm thinking of Bill and his figure. Perhaps I should have included the commander-in-chief in my order. Bill walking 50 miles. Bill on a horse. Oh, no, Edith. For heaven's sake, no. <laughs> Mr. President, I'm here. I'm afraid on somewhat well... How shall I say it? it? It's in the nature of a protest, sir. Is that so? Yes, sir. Frankly, Mr. President, there's quite a bit of rebellion in the armed forces these days. Rebellion? Not mutiny, Congressman? I'm sure I would have heard of mutiny before this. I was using the word advisedly, sir. Go on. Uh, It is my privilege, Mr. President, to have the acquaintance and, in some cases, the friendship of certain officers, both of the Army and the Navy. I'm sure of that. The chairman of the House Military Affairs Committee would know officers. And... There is a protest going on, of which my friends have made me aware. I begin to understand, Congressman. Please go on. These gentlemen, uh, particularly the older officers, feel their commissions and their tenure have been placed in unnecessary jeopardy, sir, because of an order you have issued which seems quite capricious. I do not relish your choice of words, sir. And I'm not capricious. Let us understand that. Well, these officers have not used the word, sir. That is the word being applied in the Congress, sir. By whom besides yourself? By enough members of the House, sir, to wreck any legislation you may wish to have passed. Are you threatening me, Congressman? Well, nothing as drastic as a threat, Mr. President, but we do feel rather strongly that this order should be revoked. Because your sedentary friends at their desks in the war and Navy departments are too old or too lazy to keep themselves in fighting trim? Mr. President, you can't expect these men... I can expect officers to keep themselves in condition to face any emergency. I can expect them to be examples to the enlisted men. I can expect them to obey orders as well as give them. This whim of yours, Mr. President... Whim, is it? I made a tour of inspection, sir. I know why this order is vital to the well-being of the armed forces in the nation. This test you have set up is outrageous, over-strenuous... What? Why, this test is something many a healthy middle-aged woman would take and pass, sir. I don't believe that to be demonstrable, sir. Oh, you don't. Well, sir, I'm 50 years old in a few months today. I will demonstrate this to you personally by riding the hundred miles required, not in three days, but in one day, sir. And then let your lame duck Congress protest all it wishes. As long as I am in the White House, the Army, the Navy, and the Marines will be in fighting trim at all times. And if my test weeds out the unfit officers, let them fall where they may. Good day, Mr. Congressman. Good day. In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. It is said that no man is a hero to his contemporaries, and that has also been true of several of our presidents. Now, thanks to the Mr. President program, we see many of our chief executives in a clearer light. We understand something of their personal problems. President Grant, for instance, has taken a lot of criticism. 
The not-too-well-known facts explain his actions. Grover Cleveland has never been cited as a great national hero. But on at least one occasion, he showed unusual courage and didn't talk about it. Many books have been written about Lincoln. But you'll hear stories on Mr. President that have never before been dramatized. The Mr. President research staff is responsible for this material. Yes, it's these little-known stories and the distinguished performance of motion picture star Edward Arnold, who plays the principal role, that make the Mr. President program a highly listenable series. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Well, have you figured out yet who the president was when all this happened? It really did happen, you know. Congressman Randolph left my office that day in quite a huff, and I sent invitations to Surgeon General Rixey and my aide, Captain Butt, to join me on the hundred-mile ride I proposed to take in one day. Both those men were close to my own age and in excellent physical condition. Starting time was set at the White House for 3.30 in the morning. Then, two days before the date set, I went upstairs in the White House to change for dinner and walked in on my wife and Surgeon General Rixey in serious conversation. I know, Doctor, but you know how stubborn he is. When his mind is made up, it's made up. Indeed, I know. But I still don't like the whole idea. Rixie, you sound worried. Dr. Rixie's quite worried, dear, and with reason. That's right, Mr. President. What's the trouble? Principally, you, dear. What have I done now? It's not what you have done, it's what you plan to do. Our little ride? Our little ride. Dr. Rixie doesn't like the idea at all. Then you stay in bed, Rixie, and Archie Button and I'll go by ourselves. Plus the Secret Service, I assume. I can't seem to duck those fellows, no matter how hard I try. <laughs> he won't duck me, either. It's not himself. It's you he's worried about. Mm, look like a weakling, do I? It's not your health. It's the possibility of an accident, Mr. President. Suppose the horse stumbles in a mud hole. The roads will be frozen hard as a rock eater. There's no mud in January. Well, then I suppose the horse slips and you're hurt. Dr. Rixie will be blamed for carelessness. After all, he is your personal physician. I here will solemnly absolve you of all blame for any accident which may befall me, Rixie. And if you want it in writing, you shall have it in writing. It does seem rather, well, unnecessary, Mr. President, to go to all this trouble just to prove something to a few recalcitrant congressmen. Frankly, Rixie, I don't care one way or another about those congressmen. But I do care about the condition of the armed forces. If this ride of ours will set an example, if it will dramatize the need for bodily vigor, it will have served its purpose. I surrender, Mr. President. Oh, dear. Besides, Rixie, it will be exciting and fun. This will be some of the best fun I've had since Edith and the boys and I moved into the White House. And you're not going to talk me out of it. Not this time, you're not. There was no necessity of your getting up at this hour. Good morning, Dr. Archie. Good morning. (laughs) Is it? Good morning. Can't tell. Still too dark. The only reason I got up, dear, was to see you leave. In this case, seeing is believing. Then watch carefully, my dear. Now, don't worry. We'll be in Warrington for lunch and home for dinner. That's the schedule, and we'll keep to it. Barring accidents. There'll be no accidents. Now, goodbye, dear. And get back into bed before you freeze to death. We're dressed for this, and you're not. Go on, Clive, on your horse. I'm not going inside till you're on your way. All right, all right. How about your own way? Go there, whoa. Easy, boy, easy. Well, here we go. None too soon for me. 
doggone cold standing still. And that's an understatement. Well, then, as we used to say in the cavalry, troopers, ho! Bye, Edith. See you tonight. Don't worry, ma'am. We'll bring him back safely. Bye. Goodbye, ma'am. Well, now, look ahead. What's this we're getting into? We're in Warrington, it seems. And unless I miss my guess, the major portion of the population are waiting for us at the inn. Mm, I asked my host to keep our visit quiet. But unless I miss my guess, our friends of the press and of the Secret Service tip the people off with their advanced preparations. Mm, as usual, Doctor, as usual. Frankly, I don't care how warm a welcome we get, as long as the food is hot, too. Oh, I expect it will be. I'll welcome it myself. <laughs> well, Warrington it is. And right on schedule. They're doing very well, I think. We've been lucky. Archie's horse had me worried back there at Bull Run. Oh, just high-spirited. He'll be fine on the way back. If we're as fine, I'll be satisfied. The first 50-year-old was the hardest. Shall we dismount, gentlemen? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. President, Dr. Rixie, Captain Butt, may I introduce myself? I'm Mayor Glass of Warrington. How do you do, Mayor Glass? You know you must be somewhat tired and certainly hungry, gentlemen, but it isn't very often that a president comes to Warrington. We could not permit this occasion to go by without an official welcome. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. May I say your people have been and are most kind? That's just our brand of Virginia hospitality, Mr. President. We're greatly honored by your visit, and all our people appreciate both the purpose of your ride and your own heartiness. This we didn't count on, Rixie. Not exactly, Mr. President. Archie, are you all right back there? All right. I hope, sir. What's the trouble, Captain? Both the horse and I are traveling by ear. Neither one of us can see a thing. Archie, you want us to stop a while? No, sir. Probably freeze to death if we stop now. When we get to Fairfax, we'll wait out the storm. If necessary, Doctor, if necessary. I insist, sir. Can't have you catching pneumonia at this late date. Never felt better in my life. It's Archie I'm worried about. Mr. President. Yes, Archie. <laughs> What'd you tell that congressman about your test? <laughs> that any healthy middle-aged woman could pass it. Yes, well, Mr. President... Did you have a sleet storm in January in mind when you when you made that statement? Look at that storm, Captain Leonard. Just look at it. I'd rather not, ma'am. I came through it. I'm thoroughly familiar with it. I imagine the storm found them on the other side of Fairfax Courthouse, ma'am. They had to stop and change horses there. Perhaps Dr. Rixey made them wait there for a while. Now, you know the president better than that, Captain. Well, nothing for us to do but wait, keep the home fire burning and the toddy on the fire. Do, do you hear anything, Captain? Well, I thought I heard horses, ma'am. Probably just a passing carriage. It took them eight hours down to Warrington. They'd hardly be able to make it back in the same time in this kind of weather. Oh, just a moment, Captain. Captain Leonard, come here to the window. If it weren't my own eyes seeing this, ma'am, I wouldn't believe come it. Come along, Captain, quickly. The least we can do is welcome the travelers at the door. Come in! Come in and shut the door! <laughs> Gentlemen, you're letting this storm invade government property. Yes, my dear, are you all right? You weren't too worried. Why, I didn't worry for a moment. And for heaven's sake, shut that door. Yes, ma'am. Now, get those wet things off, all of you. 
Yes, dear, yes, dear. See how she orders the president about, Doctor? I'm glad to see you, Captain. Glad to see you, sir. Dr. Rixey, yeah. Captain Butt. Ah. Were you worried about us, too, Captain? Well, your wife asked me to come over, sir. I found the fire upstairs most comfortable. And so were we. Rixey, Archie, shall we go upstairs? Yes, sir. Uh, Dr. Rixey. Yes, ma'am. Is he really all right? Sound as a bell to all appearances, ma'am. I wish Captain Butt and I had stood it as well. <laughs> I feel as if I needed to put myself to bed for a week, ma'am. If that's where he's going to stay tomorrow. You may depend on that. On what way we depend, Edith? On your spending tomorrow in bed. Oh, no, you don't. We didn't take this ride so Congress could say I told you so. Confidentially, my dear, Dr. Rixie and Captain Butt don't know it yet, but we're going for a hike in Virginia tomorrow morning. Just to get the kinks out of our muscles, my dear. And to make the eyes of certain congressmen pop out a little farther. How about it, Rixie? Are you game? Will you join me for a walk tomorrow? Well, Doctor, Captain Leonard, what brings you to the White House today, gentlemen? That little ride we took a month ago, Mr. President. That jaunt to Warrington? Stopped the protest, though, didn't it? What's up? Captain Leonard told me a story, sir. I thought you ought to hear it. Well, Captain, I must confess, sir, I tried to dissuade Dr. Rixey from bringing me here. Weary of your old walking companion, eh, Captain? Only a month more and I'll be out of your hair, my boy. And I'll miss you, sir. We all will. Thank you, Captain. No more than the truth, sir. But, well, this is not exactly the kind of thing an officer feels he ought to do. I insist, Captain. And the doctor is a naval officer, Captain. I think you can trust his judgment. Well, sir, after your famous ride, there wasn't any further open protest from the officer corps, sir. Mm, I take it you're using the word open advisedly? I'm afraid I am, sir. There has been and still is, sir, plenty of undercover complaining. Shortly after your demonstration, two Marine lieutenants and I decided to take our test together and get them over with for this year. We set out quite early one morning with pedometers in our pockets. We had a wonderful time. We walked the 50 miles required in one day, sir, not in the three you ordered. Splendid. I told you it was easy, Doctor. Wait. You haven't heard the rest. What else? We've been ordered by certain officials of the Navy Department to do the whole thing over again. For heaven's sake, why? The test wasn't correct, according to the letter of your order, sir. We did it in one day. You ordered it done in three days, sir. Oh, such behavior makes the whole idea ridiculous, Captain. Yes, sir. That seems to be the idea, Mr. President. I've seen officers walking from their desks to their homes with pedometers hanging around their necks, sir. Gentlemen, I want the names of the bureaucrats who started this nonsense. There'll be short work made of them. As long as I am president, and I'm sure as long as my successor is in the White House, the armed forces will stay in top condition, and that goes for everyone, from privates and seamen to top brass. <laughs> well, this is funny, you know. <laughs> Very funny. I wonder when Congress will conceive the idea of paying our officers by the mile. <laughs> <laughs> will you come upstairs a moment? We've got to tell my wife about this. She'll enjoy it as much as I have. But heaven help the men who ordered you to take the test over again, Captain. Heaven help them when I catch up with them. Well, you probably figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment. 
Behind the pose assumed for cameras, presidents are human too. And you'll get a greater understanding of the men who have lived in our nation's White House when you hear Edward Arnold starring in Mr. President. The Mr. President program is based on little-known stories of the man America has known as president. You'll hear the intimate details that were bypassed in epic-making headlines. Mr. President is sometimes dramatic, sometimes tragic, but always sympathetic. It's a program that removes the pedestal from our famous leaders to reveal them as they were, human beings with great understanding beneath their political veneer. So join us when we present Mr. President with Edward Arnold playing the title role every Wednesday evening over most of these ABC stations. Now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Not bad, Archie. Not bad at all. <laughs> I'd hate to be an African lion with you and a rifle in front of me, Mr. President. Between your physical condition and your marksmanship, Mr. President, I judge your trip will be a successful one. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you. I expect it will be. In fact, I've been rather enjoying the prospect, particularly in view of the problems Bill is having getting himself a cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> I've been meaning to ask you, sir, how does your wife view the prospect of your going off to Africa? Now, I think Edith is rather liking the idea. It gets me out of the house for a while. Oh, good for her. Bully for her. All well and good, but I can't help remembering how worried she was over our joint to warrant and Africa's a good deal farther. Well, Edith isn't half as worried about African lions as she was about Washington sleep. Well, Mr. President, you certainly set a mark for our officers to shoot at. With walking shoes or riding boots rather than rifles, eh? They're making bullseyes, all of them. I've been reading their medical reports. Even the desk lizards, as you call them, are getting into shape. Wonderful, wonderful. I trust Bill will keep after them. Well, you've given him the means, sir. The physical fitness of our officers will always be credited to President Theodore Roosevelt. us again next week, won't you, for another interesting story that happened in Washington a few years ago to Mr. President. Until then, goodbye. Mr. President, produced and directed by Ted Joe, was created by Robert G. Jennings and written by Ira Marion. Heard in the cast were Betty Lou Gerson as Edith Roosevelt, John Brown as Surgeon General Rixey, Herb Butterfield as Captain...